What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of NRS, not Rocket Science. For those of you that are new to the show, this is a podcast that analyzes the intersectional relationships between tech, business, and culture, and tries to sometimes even pinpoint some of these underlying patterns that are a little more obvious than we think because we're all sucked into this stuff 24-7 and uh, don't take a step back and see the big picture. So this is all about the big picture. Nah, I mean, how you guys doing? I uh, would like to hope that most of you listening, you know, all 11 of you, are listening with uh, better weather than the Northeast right now. It is for sure heading into the time of year where uh, it's just that that time where every single day you're just trying to get through it and get out of it. In New York, I'm assuming for sure Boston, uh, Philly... New England, the rest of New England, upstate New York, Pennsylvania, down to West Virginia. There's this wave from January to March where you're just like, get me the hell out of here. Let's get over this. Let's get through this. You try to enjoy life as much as possible, but I am such a weather wuss that sometimes that becomes very hard for me. And I just want to get to April. That's always the goal this time of year is like, just get to April. And it sucks. It's a crappy way to live in a way. That's why I don't think I can live in New York long term when uh, I don't want to live in one quarter of the year here. It's just like, why? Why am I here? Why am I paying this much moolah to live in my apartment that I just saw freaking mouse in again so i gotta get my landlord's 400 pound alcoholic repairman to come in tomorrow to check behind the dishwasher yada 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 new york shit if you ever think about moving to new york these are kind of some of the things that are bound to happen every single person i know in new york has some story with mice or some horrible repairman that the landlord has come in because he's cheap because he's insecure about his services because he knows he's an alcoholic so he charges cheaper rates and then gets on your case when you ask him to come in because he's saying the only reason the landlord uh, uses me is because i have cheaper rates than everyone else but i have to keep making these stupid trips and i'm like yeah well it's because you don't trust your own services because you're an alcoholic sir that's why your rates are cheap Anyway, rant over. I have that to look forward to t- for uh, tomorrow. So, you know, hashtag blessed. Um, what else? What else? What else is going on? 
Uh, to, today on the show, it's going to be story time about something I didn't do, but fell into the rabbit hole of a, uh, a business pursuit. And I'm going to talk about digital marketing and influence and things like that. But before that, let's just get into what's been going on. Current events wise, the government's back, finally working, twerking. So that's good. Um, things were looking a little dicey there for a minute, but uh, it looks like Trump got desperate, realized shit was getting real, and cut a deal. I don't know. I'm half paying attention to it. I just know it's a huge problem, and airports were getting destroyed because of this. Uh, had to shut down. So it was just a big mess overall. So I'm glad that's over, right? Right. Uh, what else? I've been watching a couple things on Netflix recently. Um, last night, I stayed up till 4 in the morning because I watched uh, that Avicii documentary. For those of you who don't know who Avicii is, he was a very big, arguably the biggest uh, electronic music DJ, producer, composer, who uh, passed away last spring. Um by suicide uh before he died though there was this documentary that came out limited release but now is on netflix that kind of documents um his rise and how he had all these issues because in 2016 he announced that he quit touring like which is very weird uh most edm artists get most of their money through touring so someone like him with his profile that quit touring at the time was kind of a big deal i was in that world a little bit i worked on the nightclub scene i worked with a lot of big electronic djs um and i'd learn what they make even small ones not him he was he made as most as uh, as much as anybody in the industry but even smaller guys like their show rates are insane i'm talking like an hour set for a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars minimum, and a lot of these guys sometimes, and that's at a small club. That's not a big show. That's a tiny little, you know, five hundred to a thousand person club. Um, for a big festival, it's even probably more than that, or maybe less. I don't know. It depends. It depends on your agent. It depends on your manager. It depends on what deal you can negotiate. But I know club shows, even like low level guys made a grand high level guys talking about like stars maybe not even djs but pop stars they make um 40 to 50 grand for an hour show at a club so it's big money that's the point um and he quit touring he was going to make money only off of releases which he could pull off because he was a you know chart topping dj but it was just very sad because you could tell the guy had severe social anxiety and who he was as a character compared to the life that he, he had to live due to the nature of his job just clashed to the you know extreme and uh, crippled him. He had uh, his like pancreas, what's the word, uh, pancreatitis, pancreatitis, I might be saying that wrong, I don't know, but he had a cute version of that because of his excessive drinking that he used to kind of just uh, numb his social anxiety. Like, he always talked about he had to have two drinks before every show because he would get 
anxious and nervous leading up to a show. So then he would drink and then he would drink after the show because, you know, you just party after your set usually. So, yeah, it's a tricky, dangerous trap that he fell into on that front. And he had to get his, like, I think, uh, galbladder removed, maybe, something like that. But, uh, yeah, it was very sad to see how... Because he wasn't just, like, anxious, like, we're going to a party, I'm a little nervous, kind of anxious. He had severe, severe anxiety. You see in his facial expression how much having to play shows at a certain point just like ruined him inside um so it's pretty sad it was very sad and that guy was so fucking talented like his music that electronic uh european style house that a uh, scandinavian in particular style house wasn't 100 percent my thing but that guy he something about those swedes man or those Scandinavians in general, because there's Norwegians that have it too. Like, their sense of melody is so crazy. And there's this lineage of uh, Nor- Nordic artists, I guess, that just have this amazing sense of melody. He had it probably the most out of the modern guys. But Cashmere uh, Cat's a big producer from Norway. He has it. Lido's another one from Norway. He has it. Obviously, like, Abba's the old school example of, like, Swedes that have it. And I remember one time I worked with this group called Cassette or Cassette, and they were actually Avicii's opener, and they're from Sweden. And I didn't think that they were that good or anything, and they were kind of feeling themselves at the club a little too hard. I was like, dude, you guys are not nearly famous enough to be like this. But their stuff was catchy. They even had it, and they were just low-level kind of openers, so... Something about something's in the water up there where they just they understand melody at a higher level than most of us, and uh, Avicii had that more so than probably anybody. So yeah, watch that on Netflix. That was pretty sad, but I got sucked in. It also reminded me of a time in my life where you know I was just dead set on producing music, and uh, you know I was working a little with artists that worked with Avicii and had this uh, venue that I worked at doing lights and sound and. Um, occasionally DJing and occasionally uh, graphics and all that stuff. But uh, it's been a long time since doing any of that, other than I still produce for fun, but just a little bit here and there. I produced the beats for this this show, this thing you hear at the beginning and end of the podcast. And then I produce my uh, ad slots. I make the little beats in the background. So that's kind of (laughs) what... the output these days is for but uh regardless still fun i like making music for fun um and i uh, speaking of music and fun i also watched both of the firefest documentaries holy crap holy crap i mean i remember watching that in real time play out and i here's the thing i remember seeing that original instagram ad with all the models and stuff and i knew something was fishy right off the bat because they announced Major Laser, that's fine, and Good Music as the headliners. And I'm like, Good Music? I remember at the time, looking at my phone, when they launched that ad, and I was like, Good Music? Why would they announce it as Good Music? That doesn't make any sense. Because Good Music's A, it's like a record label, and B, it's a record label with very egotistical artists. I mean, it's Kanye's label. There's also Big Sean, there's Pusha T, there's Tyga, there's Tiana Taylor. There's a lot of artists with a lot of brand power 
So if I was the organizers of a festival, I wouldn't even want to say good music because that's way too ambiguous and a lot of people don't know what record label all those artists are on. Particularly with Kanye. Like a lot of his fans know it's good music, but a lot of people who just know Kanye as like a pop cultural figure probably don't even know what good music is. So I'm like, you're already just diluting your draw power by saying good music. And you could have said Kanye West if he was actually playing. And he probably would want you to say Kanye West knowing Kanye. And then you could say like Pusha T, Big Sean. You can have all those guys as individual, you know, Tiana Taylor. You can have all of them as individual names, which is a lot more uh, bang for your buck than just saying good music. So that to me, I was like a little suspect. I also remember liking the beat and i was like i want to try to recreate that beat i like that synth there's a certain synth in the track that i liked and i wanted to try to like make that synth um but anyway jesus boy did they come off bad ja rule came off bad he's still coming off bad now trying to talk about how he got scammed but i'm like dude you went to jail for two years for tax evasion what are you talking about you were in rikers island for two years for tax evasion and now you're trying to play the victim card come on son and then you know billy mcfarland like Something about that guy looks shady because he's younger than me. And when he was organizing this thing, he was like 25, 26. But he had that like middle-aged man look to him. Like his skin's tight, but everything else just screams 45-year-old with a drinking problem to me. Like he had that that kind of like, I was skinny at one point. I didn't have a crisis in my life to get a little big, but... I just, too much excess, you know, he had that double chin, but it was like a, a middle-aged double chin. It's not like the fat kid in high school double chin, you know what I mean? He, was, he, he like, looks like one of these guys who go into the finance world to try to make money out of college, you know, goes to work on Wall Street in a shitty Joseph A. bank suit, hates his life, marries someone who he goes to work to avoid, but he hates his work, so then he gets, like, a tall can of Miller, high life, and brown bags it on the Jersey Transit or LIR train home every night, and that's his, like, happy place. Like, to me, Billy McFarlane looks like one of those dudes, but with a little bit of a more youthful look because he's in his 20s still. But something about him just screamed scam to me the second I saw him. Something in his eyes. These sociopaths have this thing in their eyes, this little twinkle where you know... There's nothing there. And then the other thing, particularly in the Netflix documentary, which was very good, and I know Fuck Jerry Media produced it and all these media outlets have all this up, outrage. And now Hulu paid Billy McFarlane to do an interview, so both of these are scam documentaries, blah, 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 blah. I don't buy that. First of all, getting him to do an interview is a smart move, and it's not like they were trying to make him look... I don't know, like a sympathetic character at all. They fucking roasted him. Like the Hulu documentary, even though they paid him, the Hulu, Hummas. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. The Hulu documentary, I felt roasted him way worse as far as like defamation of character goes. Both of them roasted him, but like the Netflix one showed more of how the, uh, repercussions of his actions affected people in a negative way whereas uh 
The Hulu one just roasted him. They got those sassy writers and journalists in there to just kind of tear him apart. And then the way he behaved in his interview didn't make him look so great either. The way he was hesitant to answer questions and stuff like there were I mean they were they were uh rough questions to answer. I mean I see that, but still, you know, he deserves it at this point. He's a piece of shit. So I enjoyed both of those, but and I really felt bad for the lady at the end of the Firefest documentary who lost her restaurant, but her GoFundMe page made it all back and more. So shout outs to her getting her, you know, hundred and thirty K GoFundMe page popping off. That's pretty cool. And I guess that's the good thing that came out of all this. But uh to me, what's interesting is I was watching those documentaries which were essentially documentaries about a scam, right? Well, at the same time, I hit a weird place where one of my goals this year is to get um, a side business running from my main job, and I almost got sucked into something else that a lot of people consider a scam. I almost got sucked in the temptation and the hooks and the psychological games that these digital marketing companies to join programs for x amount i'll get into it in a second but uh the way they set you up man it works i know scams i know scams i know when i'm getting into something fishy and they still almost got me those motherfuckers almost got me but they did not i did not sign up for a lot of money to a program that was my supposed path to financial freedom. I came to my senses at the last minute. And I got out of the situation. But it's just funny how while I was watching Firefest, I almost joined this bullshit. And uh, maybe subconsciously the Firefest documentary influenced me indirectly to try to join some get-rich scheme because it was my goal to start a business and you know a lot of the testimonials are real so what did i join what is this program let's get into it let's get into it so i've been studying on my own a lot about digital marketing i did a podcast a couple weeks ago about it and it's just something i like studying i've always kind of studied it whether it's social media side content marketing side seo side of marketing um it's influencer marketing Product marketing, sort of, but to a slightly lesser extent. Email marketing, sort of, but to a slightly lesser extent. Uh, Facebook ad campaigns, Google AdWords, etc. I just like, I'm a nerd. I'm a biz nerd. I like studying that stuff. Sorry, there's a fire truck outside if you uh, hear sirens. Um, But I like studying that stuff for fun. And somehow, I got targeted for a program... Uh, that does lead generation. So lead generation, just it's one of the oldest businesses in the book. It's just getting other businesses. It's a B2B business that gets other businesses leads for potential customers. That's all it is. But I found this journal that was a f- fake blog, basically. It's called journalreview.org. That's known as a PBN. So a PBN perf- is a uh, private blog network. And what that is in SEO marketing, a PBN is 
a network of blogs that you try to get links on to, to backlink to whatever the main site you're trying to optimize for SEO. So basically links to your site. So a lot of people create these like tons of blogs and write articles about topics within their niche and then link something to whatever they're trying to promote in the article. Medium, they do that on Medium. You know when you read an article on Medium and they try to sell you some bullshit at the end? That's, that is that um, is P- a backlink, a PBN-based backlink to whatever the site is they're trying to do. To, it's, it's, it's an attempt um, for distribution. So Medium is a big platform, so they might get customers off of Medium, you know, siphoning, siphoning the attention on Medium. But they're also trying to up their own site's SEO via backlinks it's a twofold operation but anyway sometimes on these smaller blogs you're not going to get customers directly but it sets up your backlinks or it sets up your cost customers to opt in um, if you're trying to sell them a program so i just stumbled upon this thing really interesting business model and that's what initially hooked me it wasn't like so much the financial freedom spiels or like any Ty lopez videos where some guys in a Lamborghini or anything like that. It was just a business model that I was like, oh, this is interesting because the whole business model is based off passive income. So what it is is this. You join their program for $6,000 LOL. And what it is is they give you access to this Facebook group. They give you this access to all this training. Um... Which is fine. You know, like masterminds, a lot of masterminds are Facebook uh, groups and they cost a ton of money. To me, it's all of that stuff silly. Just information for that much money silly. But on the other hand, they have the right to charge whatever they want. And by the way, I don't think this program is a scam by any means. Um, I'll get to why, but I do think it's sort of dishonest in a way. But uh, anyway sidetracking here what it is is a program that teaches you how to create a local lead generation agency model business where you work with local businesses to optimize their website actually it's your website i'm sorry um that they rent and they get leads because your website's number one in their niche on google business listing pages and they'll be the first result in their market and they can rent out your site with their advertising their business and they will get leads because you're the leader in their market so what it is is it's like a seo class and an optimization for google maps map listings class where you create a website on weebly weebly is like a free website maker with pretty good seo um, you you optimize that site and you wait for Google to index that site and get it ranked, right? And you pick a niche in a market and you want a small-ish market, a market that has, you know, a town or a city that has about 100,000, 150,000 people. Um, you want something where there's more than one business for your niche in that market, but not... A place where New York City, where there's like a million businesses and it's it's harder to rank high in Google. So you're trying to get that like just right porridge, not too hot, not too cold type of situation. So you pick a niche. It could be anything. Pool cleaning. Pool cleaning in 
Corpus Christi, Texas, right? Let's say you create a website that's a fake pool cleaning business in Corpus Christi, Texas. You optimize the crap out of that page, get it as SEO um, optimized as possible, create a Google listings page. What I don't quite understand is how you fake the verification because Google sends you a physical postcard. I think there's something where you can do something with like a, a fake address via post office. I don't know too much about it. But anyway, you do that. They teach you how to do that. Um, you get your business that's a fake pool cleaning business verified by Google. And then you optimize it for Google map rankings, your business page that is. And then eventually, if you do everything right, you'll have the number one pool cleaning site if someone were to type pool cleaning Corpus Christi, Texas. Then what you do once you have that site optimized is you go to real pool cleaning businesses in Corpus Christi and you try to cut a deal with them. Or another option you have is set up a VoIP, um, which is voice over IP technology to forward your Google listings number to a real pool cleaning business in Corpus Christi. And then they have some call tracking software you can use that ties to your Google business listing phone number. When you create a Google business page, you get a phone number, by the way, if you didn't know that. Um, And you can attach call tracking software to that number and then set up a VoIP to forward any calls from that number to a real pool cleaning business. So one thing you can do is set up leads where, like, if you supposedly get the number one pool cleaning business site in Corpus Christi and have a phone number that you list on your site, you can, when someone calls that phone number, redirect their call to a real pool cleaning business with something called a whisper message. Um, So when the business owner answers that phone for that lead, for that call, it'll say, this lead's brought to you by Sean. And then the lady will be like, hi, I need my pool cleaned on Tuesday, blah, 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 blah. So you can send them leads right off the bat that way. And then, you know, you give them a week or whatever, however many expected leads you get based on your call tracking software, and then you call them be like, hey, I'm Sean. I've been giving you leads the past week, if you've noticed. That little message at the beginning, that's me. Um, I would like to keep giving you guys leads. Uh, if you want to cut a deal and then you negotiate with them, you ask them what their close rate is. And then you say, you know, I just want 10% of all of the deals you close based on the leads that I give you. I have this tracking software that I'll share with you and you'll know exactly what leads are coming from me and we can make the percentage just off those. So that's kind of how you set up your business. And then once they say, okay, and they send you, you know, your 10%, which could be 200, 300, 400, 500, 1,000, 1,200 bucks. You move on to the next business. You leave that website there for that pool cleaning business. And then you pick your next niche, you know, uh, you know, lawn care in Arlington, Texas. And then you make a site for that and rinse, wash, repeat. And you keep racking up sites. They keep supposedly paying you. And then you've achieved financial freedom. So that's the biz model. Um, and that attracted me because it's a one-and-done thing where you do the work initially and then they keep paying you because they're still getting value from that site you set up. You're still getting leads. But then I did a bunch of research, and it all seems harder than it sounds in the pitches. Clients get fed up having to pay you for no work just because you're giving them leads. The websites themselves look like shit. They look like total garbage where I wouldn't even feel comfortable designing something that looks that terrible. 
um, a lot of people I kind of like researched and saw conversation threads on about this business said that it's really hard to sell people. You don't get the amount of calls right off the bat that you think, even though if you rank really high in Google and, uh, there's, you know, a few people that have gone through this program and legitimately created a successful business for themselves. But to me, what got me is it's not repeatable. There's a lot of people that do this thing for this investment and get nothing out of it. And I don't know enough about whether it's because they worked hard, didn't work hard, you know, they just happen to be lazy, or it's a model that's sort of luck generated. You know what I mean? Like some people get lucky right off the bat. That psychologically inspires them to keep doing more and more and more. And they just happen to get lucky with the right business owners. Or they're better at sales. Or they're better at targeting markets. I don't know. There's so many variables at play that to me just seems weird. And then on top of all of that, this business model is not illegal. So a lot of people online, if you were to research this, you know, add a lead generation rental business. Um, A lot of people say it's illegal. I don't think it's illegal. I don't think it's a con artisty scam, but I think it is a little scammy because your success is contingent upon how well you can break Google's guidelines when it comes to these business listing pages, because you it is clearly against Google's policies to create a fake business page at a fake address and get it verified. Like that is a violation of policy. So build a business on just violating Google's policies to me, that's what I felt uncomfortable with. And then on top of that, you're also at the slave of Google in a way. Because Google could invest heavily if they wanted to in machine learning neural networks to quarantine when these fake listings are established from learned behavior. Because if you look at them, you can tell sometimes they're fake um, just based on how they're designed. If you were to go to map view, street view, you'd see that the location's bullshit, things like that. And, uh, or you pick a business that exists that's real, but, you know, your business, there's doubles, you know what I mean? Like, there's two businesses at the same address, et cetera, things like that. So, or, like, close to the same address. So there's a lot of things at play here that were, to me, a little scummy. I didn't really want to deal with. And on top of that, you just got to, like, call all these, like, leaf-blowing and pool-cleaning businesses. And you want to spend your, all your days prospecting those types of businesses. I've worked at blue-collar companies. I've, you know, worked with lawn care businesses before when I was, like, a teenager. Those guys seemed like it would be a hassle to sell them on this a lot of the time. So I don't know if I want to just spend my time doing that. I don't like how Google can wipe this whole business model out if they ever wanted to invest in doing so. I don't like the fact that your success is based on how sneaky you are breaking their guidelines. So to me, that's why I didn't do it. Um, you know, After going back and forth, basically what, how you sign up is they book you on a phone call and supposedly they pressure you up front to drop six grand on the program. And that's another thing I'm against is like there's no way... I've never done anything where you have to give up that much money right off the bat. 
I've done a boot camp program before for 10 grand, but the difference was that was on site in New York, Flatiron District, every day for three months, four months, including the portfolio times. And uh, you had access to three instructors in person, you had access to a career coach in person. They paid for, you know, pizza and stuff for you. There were workshops, there were seminars, there were, uh, you know, a network of other students that you got to know in person, not on a Facebook group. So to me, if 10 grand gets you that, I don't get how this is worth six grand when it's a bunch of instructional videos and a private Facebook group. To me, the value just isn't there. And nothing's guaranteed. They don't hook you up with your first client. Oh, by the way, the program I did for 10 G's, they hooked you up with your first client as well and made sure you had a full portfolio of projects for UX. So to me, just, the value just isn't there. And I know they're going to sell you on the dreams of financial freedom. And they're going to have all these testimonial vids splattered all over their homepage of people that are doing it and making money, but it's still like 20 out of 1,000. And uh, to me, it just seems like a crappy way to make a lot of money because of the model. There's nothing creative about it. There's nothing that interesting about it. You're, you know, then they keep calling them things that are over-romanticizing what they are, like my, my digital assets, my properties, my lead gen properties. I'm like, dude, it's a fucking piece of crap site. Like, here, hold on. Let me, let me try to find you guys what I'm talking about. Let me just go to my history real quick. Right, right. Oh, here we go. So if you guys were to just see what I'm talking about, go to carlsbadlimousine.com. So Carlsbad is a town in Southern California. C-A-R-L-S-B-A-D and then limousine, L-I-M-O-U-S-I-N-E.com. Go to that site. This is an example of the sites you make. It is a crappy, like, worse than Squarespace site that looks like it was made six years ago. The header image is just a phone number and it's a it's like one it's like it looks like something out of like a crappy subway ad where it's just really bold and white with a crappy drop shadow on it. It makes it look cheap. There's a Carlsbad limousine, so they they plop the phone number everywhere. There's all these cheesy stock pictures, tons of just bullshit text. Um, a form for a free quote, and then one of these like crappy images that's like a big yellow button with a cheese ball gradient, um, and like arrows pointing at the form saying like sign up below. It's something that looks like an e-commerce website from 1999, and this is what you're making and selling, and this is what they're calling their digital properties, like their fucking Grant Cardone or something. So when I started seeing these sites, I was like, there's no way I can do this. I just can't. So I canceled my call at the last, the night before I was supposed to do the call and get squeezed to sign up. But I mean, I guess the lesson here is I fell into this trap of money being the motivator because what what it all the original root cause of this was I was reading a lot of blogs about um, handling your money, setting yourself up financially. There's a really good blog called millennialrevolution.com. I think I mentioned it before, and I was reading a lot of that stuff, and it just came to light how screwed financially most people in New York are these days 
because of how hard it is to save anything. Anything like at scale for the long term. So then it just kind of set panic mode in about how to make money, you know, on the side, plus working a day job, plus doing this podcast. Um, and I just started looking for hustles, basically, I think. I think it just fell into this, like, panic mode where I started looking for hustles. Money became the motivator and not the other way around. Usually successful people that do things ethically, they get hooked into some game of some sort, whether it's digital marketing and just the love of, you know, doing your own lifestyle business or whatever. Um, You know, being a comedian, being um, the love of flipping houses. And then the money comes once you put in the work and become successful at your work then the money comes it's the money's a an effect it's not a cause and uh you lose sight of that sometimes when your mind plays tricks on you and i sure think this firefest documentary didn't help you know looking at the bahamas and luxury boats for two hours both times hulu and netflix documentary so yeah i kind of fell into this mode Looking for hustles. This one seemed attractive due to the business model. I still think the business model is very attractive. Um, but just everything just looks scummy. And then I started getting on their email list. And all of their... So my other issue with this whole thing is when you sign up on their email list, all their emails are about how this will make you so much money. It wasn't about the program itself, the tactics. It showed you some videos here and there on like the websites you make but most of it was like links to this vegas conference that this group does every year and uh all the panel was just about like it was everything was centered around just making money and not like helping people or be or you know how you work as a service it was either like making money how to scale and make more money 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 um And then in this pursuit, I also was just looking at some other businesses. When I was researching about this program, some other people came up that run their own like SEO channels and stuff. And then you look into their businesses and you wind up there like con artists that got federally indicted by a district attorney in Texas. If you look at Rank Daddy on YouTube, site called Rank Daddy, that guy like tries to sell you some SEO business and like his whole thing is about running your SEO agency on autopilot and only working 10 days a week. Like when you're trying to sell working less hours per week and it's all about making money and not being the best SEO person you can be like that to me is a huge red flag. Plus the guy looks like dog, the fucking bounty hunter and wears bright colored Oakley sunglasses in every video. Another red flag. Um, But then when you do a little research on him, who is he's not affiliated with this program, but he used to be and got kicked out of it, just for clarification on why I'm talking about him. Um, you know, he got federally indicted by a district attorney in Texas for selling water, uh, like jet skis, water equipment, um, asking for credit card numbers and never giving people their jet skis. So these are the type of people you're dealing with. And he did this program, got kicked out. So I don't know if it makes him look worse or the program that the fact that this guy was in that program. But uh, point being was when I was researching, I kept seeing things like this and I was just like, oh, this is scummy, man. This is some scummy shit. 
plus the guy who runs the program on Instagram. I'm not going to air him out, but he looks like a total tool bag. He looks like Wes Hannerman from Silicon Valley, and he has a white Lamborghini. Just, you know, you know that's a big red flag right off the bat. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to kind of share this story because I feel like I am the best at not getting scammed and not spending money on shit that you shouldn't be spending money on. Um, but even in times where you kind of, you know, your head starts playing tricks on you about not achieving enough, not saving enough, not earning enough money per month or whatever, and you just slip into this mode of self-doubt, do not try to find shortcuts because they don't exist in a repeatable way. You can always get lucky. You can win the lottery. You can join this program and make a killing, whatever. But the point is, is they're always going to sell you the dream. And all these get-rich-quick schemes are never going to be able to work at scale. So is it worth that initial investment? Probably not. That's how I feel about it. So don't get caught up in the hype and the bullshit because all of this stuff is designed to manipulate your psyche. Marketing, in a nutshell, is a game of persuasion based on triggering your emotional pain points and pulling your money out of you in order to address these pain points with their service or product that most likely won't work. Um, cause my whole thing at the end of the day is I could have the best work ethic in the world. I don't know if I would have success doing this. They didn't convey an, well enough that this thing is repeatable. And the fact that Google can drop the hammer at any moment kind of validates that it's a little shaky and a little risky long term. So, that's why I didn't do it. Um, I would say just don't get caught in any of these click funnels that these digital marketers throw at you. If you want a really good resource about digital marketing that's absolutely free, check out Miles Beckler. You can go to milesbeckler.com or go to YouTube and just type in Miles Beckler. He has tons of free content. That guy's the real deal. He doesn't try to charge you any money for any of his content. And you know he teaches you digital marketing on a real high level for free. So if you want to learn more about digital marketing services, SEO, content marketing, things like that, that's the guy whose blog I'm going to every day now and reading up about this stuff and whose videos I'm watching and reading up about it. Uh, not any of these hustles that try to get thousands of dollars out of you right off the bat. Um, but yeah, it was just funny how it all played out this way. These Firefest documentaries showing this scam made me feel insecure about my worth because I was reading about um, money anyway at the time and then just fell into this dark rabbit hole almost made a terrible decision decision but I guess my over my my tendency to over analyze everything and have paralysis by analysis uh, served me well in this instance and the day before you know I was just like I can't do this you know I talked to my girlfriend talked about with my dad who's a business dude and he was like yeah it just seems a little scummy he actually thought the business model was pretty cool too but he just would be like you don't want to work with these like small businesses because he you know he's been getting leaf blowers and stuff like that for 30 years and he's like i don't see those guys caring about this that much um so anyway that was my story time this week 
don't get scammed even though this isn't a scam don't get semi-scammed don't fall into traps where you feel like you have to spend an exorbitant amount of money all this stuff is a long game everything's a long game so if you do things the right way you're not going to get anything right away you know i still don't get many podcast listeners but i'm keeping uh keeping this thing going week after week and uh you know it's a project that's all i got this week guys Hope you guys have a good one. If you have uh, any comments about this, you get any suckered into any marketing hustles, let me know. Not rocket science show at gmail.com or hit us up at Twitter or, or uh, Instagram at NRS underscore show. I might have some stuff coming up in the future. I might build an actual website for the show. Um, I might rebrand the show and not call it not rocket science anymore. I don't know. If you want me to keep the name, let me know. If not, think it sucks. Let me know too. Either way, it's all gravy. Um, Yeah, that is it. I might change the name of this sucker. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, I want to build this thing out more. I do want to start a real proper website for this, maybe with like a blog or something, and not just the anchor.com page with episodes. I'll have that embedded, of course. But uh, kind of build this whole sucker out a little more, you know, make it like a real media entity perhaps um and go from there i feel like i'm not putting i'm putting work in this as far as the show itself but not from a branding and marketing perspective so i think i'm going to focus my time in here and uh figure out from there whether i'd want to do another business or something um but really just have something more than just the anchor page even though shout out to anchor they are a godsend of a business i am an anchor groupie at this point i'm just blown away with everything that they've been able to do um because it makes my life so much easier but yeah i just want to put more work into this thing first and uh if another opportunity comes up it does but not chasing hustles is the theme of this show ladies and gentlemen so that's it that's my story for the day Check out those Firefest documentaries if you haven't yet, but I feel like everyone has. If you liked Avicii, check out his documentary too. Pretty sad, but uh, very well done. Unfortunate ending, of course, but uh, very well done. Even though they make it look like it's a happy ending at the end, and then they have to say that he passed away right on the on the screen there, so that was a little unfortunate. But anyway, good documentary. Don't get hustled. Don't get scammed. Stop chasing money that's supposedly easy that isn't. It's the theme of the day. I hope you guys have a good one. That's all I got. Love ya. Peace.